Sometimes you don't know what you're doing until after you've done it. Writers and directors in Hollywood in the 40s and 50s didn't exactly know they were making films that would later be seen as connected by era, content, and style. It was on a side road outside of Los Angeles. And then given a name. I was hitchhiking from San Francisco down to... Film noir. San Diego, I guess. Every interview I've ever done with anybody involved in the making of these films said we had no idea what, you know, still don't know what film noir is. We were just making crime dramas. They are dangerous and armed. Shoot to kill. Eddie Muller is the author of Dark City, The Lost World of Film Noir. He's had a lifelong obsession with these movies, made in those uneasy years during and after the Second World War, and then named by the French. There was an embargo on Hollywood product in Europe during World War II. So it wasn't until after the war that these French cinemas began showing retrospectives of everything that the French had missed during World War II. And that is the point at which several critics made the observation that you know, what, what's happened in Hollywood, all of a sudden, you know, the films have gone black. They're, why this sudden darkness and this bitterness? We go together, Laurie. I don't know why. Maybe like guns and ammunition go together. I'll do anything you want. Many of them had been made by Europeans who'd fled Nazi Germany and come to Hollywood. They set about adapting crime novels by writers like Raymond Chandler and James M. Cain, and they had a certain attitude. You thought you had a cold, didn't you? all wrapped up in tissue paper with pink ribbons around it. I sort of distill it down into the idea of you know it's wrong, you do it anyway, and now you can't escape. You want to know who killed Dietrichson? Hold tight to that cheap cigar of yours, Keys. I killed Dietrichson. There is certainly no escape in Double Indemnity, in which an insurance salesman follows his fetching customer down the road to murder. The ultimate noir, people drowning in greed and lust. As he says in that movie, I did it for the money, and I did it for a woman. And I didn't get the money, and I didn't get the woman. I didn't get the money, and I didn't get the woman. Pretty, isn't it? I did it for a woman, and I did it for the money. I didn't get the woman, I didn't get the money. Karen Holliger likes that line, too. She's the author of In the Company of Women. Years ago, she became interested in the way noir films look at men and women. Is there anything I can do? The insurance ran out on the 15th. I'd hate to think of you having a smashed fender or something while you're not uh, fully covered. This bantering back and forth between them. Mr. Neff, why don't you drop by tomorrow evening around 8.30? He'll be in then. Who? My husband. You were anxious to talk to him, weren't you? Yeah, I was, but uh, I'm sort of getting over the idea, if you know what I mean. There's a speed limit in this state, Mr. Neff. 45 miles an hour. How fast was I going, officer? I'd say around 90. And there's this sense of, well, who's going to win? The warning this time. Both of them trying to sort of have the upper hand. Although in most noir films, it's pretty clear who has the upper hand. I went to Pablo's that night. I knew I'd go every night until she showed up. I knew she knew it. The female character, the femme fatale, has much greater visual significance than anyone else in the film. And then she walked in out of the moonlight, smiling. She stands out. Camera follows her. Camera looks at her legs. Camera is fascinated by her, as the narrator is. She draws the attention visually, whereas the voiceover is attempting to draw the attention to the male narrator. And the viewer, it seems to me, is sort of caught in the middle. Voiceover is a film noir staple. As I drove off, it was still raining. 
and the drops streak down the windshield like tears. What else characterizes Moira's sound? Look who's here. What's the sound of people smoking? I, I saw Out of the Past again the other day. I showed it for an audience, and it was unbelievable how much smoking goes on in that film. Cigarette? Smoking. That's the sound of noir. It's men and women smoking. And, and ice cubes tinkling in a glass and uh, tires on wet pavement and the, the rustling of curtains and gowns and, and guns being loaded. Not necessarily fired, but guns being loaded. And, of course, often they were fired. The sound of rapid-fire dialogue. My right hand hasn't seen my left hand in 30 years. I'll do it, J.J., don't get me wrong. In for a penny, in for a pound, I'll go through with it. It's a curious thing that these brittle, cynical films that came out of the Hollywood studios, for the most part, reached us the way they did, and still do, considering their modest beginnings. Noir films kind of started out as B-movies, and nobody paid much attention to them. Director Jim McBride. But you feel in these films there's somebody speaking behind them. It's that post-war voice, both tormented and true to itself. The voice they spoke in was a very personal voice, and it was a very clear voice, and one that you could clearly understand and relate to. Since then, there have been films made in that tradition, neo-noir, post-noir, semi-noir, noir-ish. But what happened to the real noir films made in that period? Eddie Muller, who, by the way, calls himself the czar of noir, has his theory, which is that Hitchcock ended it all. That's where a crime thriller suddenly veers off and becomes a horror film. The subtlety of the classic film noir era sort of went down the drain when Janet Leigh is killed in Psycho, and a whole new type of sensational cinema comes into vogue. To me, Psycho is, is the pivot point in American cinema. You can actually have this horrible murder in the film, and there's you know transvestitism in the film, and matricide. There was no going back. So yes, by that logic, it is gone forever. And even imitations can't be quite the same because of what we've seen since. But these are movies, after all, so we can look at them forever. The shiny nighttime streets, the curling smoke, and those characters, they're part of us. Mildred Pierce, Walter Neff, Sidney, J.J., Frank Chambers, Waldo Lidecker, and all the rest. Proper companions as we make our way through the dark modern world, no? For WNYC, I'm Sarah Fishcombe.